Welcome to today's episode of CLCI Live, brought to you by the award-winning and ICF-accredited school, Certified Life Coach Institute. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Before we get started, quickly, I want to always say and encourage and welcome anybody out there who is watching, please, please, please leave comments, talk to us. We want to hear from you. It's critical that we hear from you, vital. We uh, love it more than anything. Otherwise, it's just us babbling at one another. So please, please, please do us a solid and, and participate in this here live. Um, and I think that's it. I will let somebody else go ahead and introduce our topic. <laughs> Who's it going to be? Don't belong here at once, guys. <laughs> uh, Let's go ahead and let, how about Jen? Jen, you introduce the topic. <laughs> yes. So today we are talking about confidence and the question of what came first, the confidence or the coach? What does that mean to you? It means just like what came first, the chicken or the egg? It's the same question, right? I, I think, did I have to have confidence before wanting to become a coach? Or did I become a coach and then start building confidence? My answer is that there was confidence there before I decided to become a coach. I would have a different answer. <laughs> I had uh, the um, coaching for, and I'm really not thinking of the coaching. I'm thinking of the teaching more so than any of the coaching uh, experience. When I got became that teacher, I uh, did not have the confidence. I was scared to death to stand up and in that time in person, stand up in front of 25 people and start talking, coaching practices and behaviors and all the things that we do in level one. So that took time to build for me. As far as coaching, that kind of so not bragging, but that came natural because of what I've done in my history and, and of who I became. And I can go into that later. Jerome or Anthony or Brooke. So I think the confidence in like coaching as in having the session versus confidence in coaching, running your business and confidence in coaching, the confidence to be able to take a three day class and learn how to be a coach are like three different things we're talking about that are kind of being min mingled into the same topic, yeah. but people's confidence to learn a skill is probably completely different than their confidence to maintain an hour long session uh, with a client and keep them engaged and, you know, have continue a relationship where there's hopefully, you know, proven results by the end of that relationship. So I think it's kind of different things we're talking about. So I don't think necessarily the confidence comes first. Maybe they're confident that they can, you know, spend money for a class, whatever, whatever institution they go to, hopefully it's ours, but sit down for three days in a Zoom course and, you know, get their certificate. Sure. Seems a reasonable request. What comes after that ugh, it gets a little scary sometimes for our um, students. Although we, I do our best, we do our best to give them the confidence though, or try to help them with that. I do agree with Jen though, in that I think to set foot in a life coaching class, unless like you're, you know, you, know, you somehow got there by accident, or maybe you're working for us and we're making you take it, <laughs> is that in order to take that step, I'm going to take a step into this class, you have to, on some level, think you can be a life coach, right? Like you have to think, I got something in me that can do this. I would assume because you're taking the next steps and spending money to do that. So that would be my best guess is that, that yes, those people do have a degree of confidence uh, walking in the door. Um, what may happen later, though, is once they learn the skills, I think sometimes maybe they might lose a little bit of confidence. I see Lisa nodding her head. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you with, when you said that, because what happens is you come in thinking you know it all in the sense of, I know how to talk to people. I know how to help people. I know what that's about. I do it all the time. And then we go, that's not the way we're doing it. We're doing it this way. And that went, oh, shoot. So you've got behaviors that built into the way and who you were before you walked into a training, 
that now that training, hopefully that training and hopefully ours, <laughs> um, will recalibrate that for you. So you're doing it uh, morally and ethically in a proper manner that best suits your client, your, your coaching client that you're supposed to build. When I got, so the first time I took a coaching class is in 2011. I've been taking classes since I was really young and all kinds of self-help kinds of directions. So that wasn't what the difficulty is. Taking that coaching class and practicing the tools feels awkward because it's not who you naturally had been and what you thought this was about. So when you think about the coaching classes as you've come in, especially Jen, yours more, you've been more recent, where, where did you think you were already successful and where did you learn to adjust what successful meant? I thought that I would be a successful coach because I had been coaching myself. I had been working with a coach. And so I had been going through that process and I just at one point started to realize, hey, maybe I'm going to want to do this one day. And then all the stars aligned and I found you guys and you found me <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> um, but I, I really started believing in my own ability through me getting coached and learning what that process looks like and then having the desire to be on the coach's side of that process. Um, but yes, I, what, to what you said about people come into the class thinking coaching is one thing and then realize, oh, wait, it's very different from what I thought it was. There is a lot of adjustment. There is, at least for me, it's like I have to pull back on a lot of this innate um, nature I have to want to say certain things. I, I literally have to like reprogram my brain to be a coach's brain when I'm in the coach's chair. Um, and so that, I mean, that has been a process and it hasn't happened overnight. And I feel like it's only going to continue to grow as I keep coaching. I know that Anthony can talk into this, um, that, um, for me, I, when, when you, even when we're doing like demo coaching sessions here and things like that, um, you're, there's always this sort of part of your brain that's going, um, okay, don't do, don't, don't. And then you catch yourself, you know, you catch yourself with a closed ended question or you catch yourself inserting an adjective and you're leading and you, um, cause it is the whole new skill set or you catch yourself inadvertently telling people what to do. You think you're not, I shouldn't have led there. Um, Anthony, uh, Anthony, remember when you first started coaching and coaching on this, you were... I was about um, to say, I like how you're putting me on blast for all the things that I do. Uh, I do them too. <laughs> but so I would imagine, have, has your confidence changed, Anthony, from when you started coaching here online with us to well, today? No, not really. I don't think my confidence came from like me making mistakes or not. Like I, I think in my first session, I was fairly confident on what, how a coach, like going into the coaching session, like I knew I was going to make mistakes and I'm totally okay with making those mistakes and still making those mistakes. I try to do better, but that doesn't, that doesn't really personally relate to my confidence level and my coaching skills. Um, because I know that I can catch the mistakes as they come I know that I'm receptive to um, feedback from you guys if you guys ever watch my coaching sessions or decide to give me crap on the live when I coach somebody. Um, so that's not – I'm not really concerned about the confidence issue from there because I'm confident I'm not going to do harm at the very least to uh, – How do you know coach. that? What gives you the confidence to know that you're not going to do harm? Yeah, so part of – confidence i think and i wanted to ask this question earlier about what do you guys think confidence at like a base level is if we're talking about confidence i think confidence is knowing your abilities of what you can do and what you can't do um like what's not in your power and what you're not allowed to do uh when we're talking about coaching so i know that i'm not allowed to dive into the mental health I'm not allowed to make suggestions or I can't make suggestions really. Um, I can't, and I can't talk about really any mental health aspects because 
one, I'm not trained in it, and two, I'm not supposed to be talking about it, even if I was trained in it, as far as coaching goes. So I know my limitations, but I also know what I can do and the tools I have in a coaching session. And I know that because I've been working with you guys for two years now, something like that, close to two years. And even if I haven't been coaching in two years, I've been in the curriculum. I've been watching you guys coach. I've been, um, you know, doing all sorts of things that involve coaching that aren't me being a coach necessarily. So I'm confident in the least I won't do harm to my client. If I'm going to have a good session or not, that remains to be seen, but I'll try my best. I'm not, it doesn't get stressed me out or worry me really. And I don't know if that's really changed since I first started coaching. Do you have um, any, well, so to answer your first question, which is on a baseline, what is confidence to, to us? Mm -hmm. um, wh why don't we do that really quick? Um, I like quickly, that. Yeah, I can quickly answer. For me, confidence is, um, I would say uh, a faith in my ability to maneuver uh, a situation or to perform in a situation or to uh, just like the, the, it's like your esteem in many ways, like your self-esteem. I have a, a, a faith that in my capabilities given a certain application. Brooks, I'm, I'm <laughs> I give you a hard time, but yeah. what does faith mean? Because it sounds like faith and confidence could be easily like interchanged in that sentence you just said. So, uh, so, so faith, what do you mean by faith? I guess I would say that a belief that I am capable of maneuvering a situation, uh, an understanding or a, a belief in my ability, I guess. So yeah. can I ask another question then? Yeah, what does belief mean? No, well, how do you, I know I'm not going to ask that, but how do you justify that belief versus somebody who's overconfident and just believes whatever, even though, I think, you know, they're, they're all hat and no cattle, as they say no, in Texas. I think what I, what I but I think the, the big difference there between when I said it's my ability to maneuver or perform in a situation, right? It isn't necessarily that I'm going to do it to the letter or I'm going to do it, you know, the way somebody else tells me to. It's that I believe that I can go into that situation and come out of it successful in some way it's a very ge generalized definition why because that confidence might be present for some re one reason or another maybe it's not if i know that innately that well well if, if i mess up in coaching i will still be able to at least do x y and z or if i you know it's more that i know that i'm i, I can think on my feet i can uh sort of land land butter side up <laughs> um and how i do that uh, could come in a multitude of ways, but I definitely um, have a belief in my ability to maneuver situations. Um, and at times, yes, maybe there is a degree of, of uh, hubris there um, or hopefulness or not looking at what the worst possible outcome is, but I don't think we do that on purpose, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. If we were wrapped up in like the catastrophizing every situation, I think we probably wouldn't do much. Um, Jerome? Yeah, I would say speaking um, kind of on the other end of that spectrum there, I think that's a huge component of what confidence is, is being optimistic, um, kind of like what you were speaking about, belief in your ability to adapt is kind of what I was, I was getting out of that. I think that's a huge component is belief in your ability to adapt, kind of what Brooke was saying. Um, you may not necessarily come out of it doing what you intended to do perfectly, but at least you came out of it with some sort of success um, because just kind of like what we, we preach this often, nothing's black and white. There's a lot of components to everything that you deal with. So to kind of have a belief that you're gonna be able to go ahead and be successful in one of the many components of a particular situation, um, have that belief is I think huge in confidence. Also just your, your general understanding of a situation is huge as well. Um, not necessarily practice comes with, I think, um, this component. Oh, absolutely. There's a huge factor of practice that comes into um, your understanding of a scenario. But also um, there's just, just being able to kind of like with our classes, getting a peek on the inside. You know, there's a lot of students who come in prior to coming in. They're unsure what coaching is. 
and then they're told what coaching is. And sometimes either their confidence level goes up or it goes down. But I feel like for the most part, their confidence goes up because there's a lot, um, a lot of, I feel like rumors dispelled coaching as far as what you're expected to do. There's a lot of, a lot less expectation. I think, um, actually that goes into coaching than most people uh, would assume before they actually, you know, join one of our classes or any coaching class for that matter. It's, you I don't know me. any because there's some that don't follow yes. okay. the guidelines Not so that course. we stay on our side of the fence, but I think a good portion, they're learning to do that concept. Good one. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, you reminded me of a story of um, when I was 19 years old, I got a, a job. I moved back down from San Francisco, back down to Orange County, and I got a job at Knott's um, as a seating painter. I got hired in as a scenic painter and I was working with this woman named Catherine, who's this amazing painter, this amazing woman. And I was asking her, how do you paint so well? How do you paint so fast? How do you like, it's just how, cause, cause you know, it's all new to me and she's all, it's confidence. It just, she's, and I didn't quite understand it until later until I actually had the confidence. And then in, in the painting aspects, I knew when I had the confidence to know when it was done, had the confidence to know that I, that I, this is how I do it. And, and I use this tool for this and, and I, I, I apply it in this way and then that's it. I don't need to overwork it. I got to let it go. I got to walk away from it. This is good. This is good enough. And so much of the confidence came from understanding what was good enough. Um, because you know when you're working in deadlines and when you're working you've got you have to know when to, to back away from a project and say that's good enough that's enough let's walk away from this let's move to the next thing and that is so important when it comes to timing and deadlines and things like that because we could sit and do, tweak on something for hours and days and but we just can't do that and i didn't understand that aspect how critical that aspect of, of confidence going that's good that's good enough walking away because when i first started out i would have overworked it done it and redone it and redone it until it was it was probably worse off than it had been if i had stopped so um it was brilliant so, Brooke, did, so when she told when you asked that question to her and she told you confidence was that like an immediate oh like i'll just be confident now no, or did, no. did that take time it, it took time. It took time and it took uh, time and me practicing that skill set and practicing it to such a degree that I, I knew I was capable. So here's a question then is confidence overrated? Is it really, yeah. that, is it that useful in the beginning? Yes. It's useful, but it's not not often there in the beginning, right? Because the confidence comes with exposure, and exposure is going to teach you the the walk of how to do things, and yeah. it's going to challenge you and push you past your comfort I think, zone. I think it's there, though. I think it is. I think it's there because you have to have confidence in something for you to keep trying if you can't do it, right? Well, you had confidence in you have to have a in general, belief. yeah. You have to have a belief in your ability to learn. Like you have a belief, yeah. you have to have mm -hmm. that has to exist in you. Like I will be able to learn this by failing yeah. and practicing, right? But I think that's accurate, yeah. We're, we're talking about a lot of internal confidence, like self-confidence. Yeah. What we didn't talk about was external confidence. You literally saw that this lady could do it. You were confident that she could get it done in that amount of time uh, with that quality because you've seen her do it. Yeah. Um, a lot of coaches get their confidence from seeing other coaches and people walking the walk, um, which I think external confidence fills in the gap of when you don't really have that internal confidence sometimes. Well, it's possible if so-and-so can do it, I can do it. That kind yeah. of mentality. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I was getting a little confused. I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> but what, I, what I'm trying, what I was trying to get at with that question originally was um, I think that, Confidence is a bit overrated sometimes because if you don't have the confidence, sometimes that stops you from doing the thing that you could be doing or should be. Um, whereas this is me just taking off my coaching hat. You should just try something or do it, whether or not you have the confidence in yourself and then figure it out afterwards. Um, and I can think of a lot of times in my personal life where that's been the case um, where I didn't have the confidence, but Still did it and still worked out for the best. So you just have to be willing. What? 
you don't need confidence. You just have to be willing. You just have to be willing to do it. That's what we tell our students in the packet. <laughs> what is what is the difference then between the will and the confidence? Because somewhere in there, I have to have confidence that I can go through that next step. Even right. if I don't know what it is, I have to have that confidence that encourages the will to move through that. So many right? things go into that. I mean, this is you're speaking marketing right now, like my um, because we're speaking about how we move somebody from a state of thought and stagnancy to a state of action, which is what yeah. truthfully what every person that is selling anything is attempting to do. We're trying to get you to stop watching and put click something, you know, type it in, click our button and actually take an action. Right. Um, and it's that, that 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 switch. So what what is it that causes that switch? And there are so many things, right? There's emotion that the emotional desire and and for some reason it sort of has to be a perfect storm. Or, uh, but it's it's different for everybody, right? There are people who are motivated away, people who are motivated towards, people who are. It's it's a. Mm -hmm. But really, it is. It's if if we could define to a letter, uh, and I, I did with with neuromarketing, they're doing that in many ways. Uh, what it is that motivates us to switch from that moment of doing nothing to actually doing something? Uh, mm -hmm. What is it that kicks our butt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you said something a little bit ago that I wanted, if we don't mind, going back to because you said to learn the good enough. I think that's that's the space that new new coaches fail in confident, inconfident, unconfident. What's the right term there? Confidence. Lack of confidency. <laughs> I can do that one. Um, that. That, that idea is they didn't do good enough. They overanalyze, they overthink, they over want to keep doing, they over want. So in a coaching session, we often encourage that ending question to be, um, sorry, I was looking at the chat there. That question is, instead of questioning, did you do good enough as a coach, just ask what what's their takeaway, right? That is part of what we do in our Go Learn uh, acronym is, you know, what's their takeaway? And as soon as they start telling you what their takeaway from that experience was, that tells your committee, that ego, to stop talking <laughs> because that's not invited. So when you are talking about the learn the good enough, that's really a great stance in that allow that space for it to be good enough. I think that's what I wanted to say there. Anyway, it's I like Brooke. You said belief in your ability to learn. I thought that was really good because instead of a new coach thinking I need to be more confident in order to coach, what if your confidence just needs to be about your ability to learn, not your ability to coach? What would that mean for your coaching? That works mm -hmm. on multiple levels, by the way. Yeah. Like that works yeah. on multiple levels. Like learn about your client. Learn. And it makes go learn even better. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you snuck it in there. You snuck it in there. But um, one of the things that, that is interesting as we're sharing this and as we're sharing, um, you were sharing about the, the inside committee, right? It reminded me a little bit of PQ, like where they actually, we put names to all of those committee, that committee that lives in our head um, and, and who they are and what they do and how they operate because we, they exist. Right. And I think that lending too much, um, I guess, confidence in the committee uh, could, can, can inhibit you from sometimes taking action, right? Sometimes the overthinking will prevent us from taking the step, uh, and just trying to do the do. Um, I know too, that, that, like you said, Lisa, that perfectionism, that uh, trying to achieve perfectionism and, and realizing that that doesn't, that doesn't exist. So just do the do, do the do, right. Get out there and do the do. Um, yeah. and every step you, you will when, when it was funny, Lee, I had like one of the best teachers and one of the best coaches, uh, learning in 
getting into that's how I learned coaching. I learned it from Lisa. <laughs> um, and I, I didn't, I didn't learn it in the classroom. I learned, I just learned it from Lisa, like Lisa coaching me, Lisa showing me, Lisa, us working together. And just, I learned a lot. I mean, everything that is coaching. Um, and one of the, um, well, disclaimer, yeah, some of it was not coaching to be fair. <laughs> Disclaimer. 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 Yeah. <laughs> um, I have no idea where I was going with that now, uh, which oh. is awesome because my brain just went. So you were talking about how amazing I was at teaching you the amazing skill of coaching. Little ego work there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think the place I was going with this was essentially that that all of that though in all of that in in the learning and the process and what I. As I started to change, what and, and my self-esteem grew, and it wasn't from Lisa telling me what to do. It was from Lisa asking me questions. This is when I kind of realized, oh my God, coaching is awesome, um, because what it did was, you know, with therapy, we're asking why, we're asking, and digging into all that. What that doesn't do a lot of times, for at least it didn't for me, was build my self-esteem. What coaching did was build my self-esteem and my confidence because I was able to take steps forward that I thought I couldn't take. And with each step, I got more self-confident and I got more, I had a greater belief in my ability to change, my ability to grow. And and as I got, gained that self-esteem, the things that ate at me, the things that, that I, the whys will say weren't important. Because what was important that was that I was doing the do and that I knew I could and that my life was getting better and that I was happier. And so when you're in that space of action and doing and, and making accomplishments for yourself, all of a sudden, all those whys, those why me's, uh, the things that happened in your past don't matter nearly as much as they once did. And it, that was kind of really a defining moment for me when I was like, wow, coaching is a very powerful thing. And, it, and the fact that it's built on um, people, us humans, taking action and making those steps, and that builds self-esteem and self-confidence, it is in many ways a, a huge cure-all. <laughs> um, at least that's what, it, what my experience was, so. I, I think some of what I hear and what you're saying also is that you had a it's going to sound like I'm not bragging, but consistent support, consistent support. When you have a coach, you have consistent support, the consistent support that doesn't tell you what to do, but gives you that space to reason out what it is that you think you want to do. And as you hear it out loud, it is a very powerful thing for a client to hear themselves out loud because then that creates the space for that next thought to happen. So when you're, when you're overthinking in your coaching session, give, cut yourself some slack because you're not supposed to be the performer there. You're not supposed to be, let me entertain you. Let me. You're not supposed to do those kinds of things. You are there to be that support in a consistent manner that allows them to trust who they are and what they want to get from their coaching session. Yeah, the safe space like that's what I've always said like the magic of the safe mm -hmm. space is so yeah. often overlooked but truthfully just the fact that somebody can go into a room and go I won't be judged I can speak my mind I'm not going to be interrupted I'm not going to be told I'm wrong or I'm crazy I can go in there and I can explore and do so freely and I have a human being to bounce these ideas off of and they're not going to call me crazy. Like they're not going to say I'm, I'm, I'm batshit. <laughs> Sorry, pardon my French. <laughs> um, that is such a powerful space. And the consistency is so critical, right? And the sad part, though, I will say is I had Lisa and I, we, we bonded very quickly. And so the consistency was there. It was innate. She was always, well, she brought that with her. And I, I brought it with me because it's something I think I have always craved and wanted. It was consistent and finding it in somebody else meant a lot to me. So I was going to return it in droves. Um, so uh, what's sad is when our clients get in their own way and cancel, cancel their sessions and mm -hmm. misstep and get scared to come in and forget that you're walking into a place of exploration of safety of security and of 
let's just talk this through. Nobody's going to get mad at you. Um, I do think we lose clients sometimes because they are afraid to say that they haven't done the work. Um, and it's like, don't do yourself a disservice. Get in there and just do the do. Showing up is, is really the most important part. Everything else is secondary to actually showing up. So I think that's a good point. Sometimes they don't show up because they didn't do the work. And that can be laid in that first session. You know, this is not my work. You do it. You don't do it. I'm here to be accountable with you and check in with you on that progress. That is up to you whether you want to accomplish it or not. I think setting that foundation can help that client. But, and frankly, really the idea of them taking away and not, you know, going into the session, this is what I want to say, this thing keeps popping up in front of my face, though it distracts me. The idea of the coach not having that client return most often doesn't have anything to do with you and your coaching. Why do I know this? Because I've been doing it a little while. And how do I know this to be true? Because they come back. They may miss a year, but they'll come back. I've had clients come back six years later. And why is that? Because they got benefit from it. What they weren't maybe ready to do that next step, or they had to go experiment with the steps that they came up with. There's a lot of ores you can put in that water on reasons why they didn't show up to that next appointment or they canceled. And I'm going to say 9.9 has nothing to do with you. Maybe the 0.01, maybe they just don't like you, which I've had clients not like me. <laughs> but don't take it personal, right? Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Don't take it personal. Don't, don't, yeah. don't take it. Back. I take it deeply personal. Of course you do. You cry. Course, every night. You cry myself to sleep every night. I know it. I, I certainly does. <laughs> Can I ask Anthony about something he said that just baffles me? What? You said, hold on, let me see. I wrote this down. <laughs> you said, I know I'm going to make mistakes. I will catch myself, but that doesn't affect my confidence. And that just like blew my mind because it's like, this level of acceptance that you're not going to be perfect, but that doesn't change anything for you. I don't know. Tell me more about that. Um, so like, it's kind of what I said earlier. It's like, at least the mistakes I know I'm going to make are not going to kill someone or are not going to, to like be so disastrous that the relate, the coaching relationship, like they sue me. Something like that. If the coaching relationship, like if it was disastrous enough, where the, I can imagine a scenario where I mess up and it's so disastrous, somebody never wants to coach with me again. I don't get paid to like my okay. I get paid to coach. I don't make my living off of coaching, so it's not like it's never something that like I think about too much. And it, I I don't know what it is. It might be. I think it might have something to do with like my theater background where it's like, I'll stress about something before it happens as it's happening as the before I'm like, this is going to sound like I'm a sociopath, but when I'm coaching, I act as if I was a coach. I put on my, my coaching hat or I read my coaching script. It's not really a script for us new coaches out there, but I put on the role of a coach. I perform the role of a coach and if I mess up, I improvise to try to get us get me back on track. And I also own up to my mistakes. That's the nice thing about coaching mm -hmm. that you can't do in theater. I can't just stop the show in a the theater and be like, sorry guys, I fucked up. Let me, let me bring it back again. But in in plenty of coaching sessions, I'll be like, I think I might have asked the wrong question and done this. Let me take it back and try to rephrase this or do something else like people when they coach with me they're very aware that the coaching session is happening and like i'm not trying to be like the all-knowing coach who knows how to ask every correct and right question it's kind of like any other conversation i have where like i'm allowed to backtrack or say oh messed up here let's go on a different track maybe or ask a different question yeah. um the mistakes they're not that big of a deal really i found Whenever I have made mistakes, that's mm -hmm. it. That's my monologue. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, we got weird feedback. Um, 
you reminded me of when I get uh, a theater background as well. So maybe it lends us lends to us. But also, I think that um, it's critical sort of the that the message that you bring home is that we're going to make mistakes like that is just a part of being human. It, one of the things, Jerome, I, you know, I've said this mistakes are they're not don't think of it as a mistake. Think of it as an accelerated learning opportunity. <laughs> um, that is what it is. It's an, and and motivation to change <laughs> um, or make it. I mean, it's a, I mean, really, that's we made trial and error. We make a mistake. We go, OK, that happened. I'm going to adjust this so that we can learn and do better next time. If we didn't do that, we wouldn't learn we would just you know it's like expecting this expectation of being able to just be perfect is, is um it's inhuman <laughs> um uh, i want to add something too i've just thought about too um with the confidence bit and making mistakes sometimes it's not confidence in myself this is not how i think about it it's confidence in the tools so for example i wasn't a big practitioner of the 80-20 rule. I tend to talk a lot in or ask very long-winded or complex questions. Um, and I did that a lot. I became more confident in the fact that talking less, oh, I'm peeking a little bit. Let me push that microphone back. I'm confident in the fact that um, uh, if I ask less questions and I talk less, the coaching session will be more effective. And since I've been doing that, I've been noticing that the clients open up more, they tend to share more, and the coaching, the session is more straightforward because I'm not talking so much. So I don't know if I think of that as self-confidence, more of, okay, I learned this thing or this skill or tool, let's put it to use, and I'm confident that it'll work now uh, to my benefit and the client's benefit. Monologue yeah, I think what you both are talking about is just really learning to adapt to the behavior that the client needs best in that moment, along with the different tools that you have been privy to, and then the challenge of placing those tools in that coaching session. So it's going back to then, in addition to learning to adapt, is the practice of it. So you learn that those failing forward steps so that you are adapting and adept becoming that adept coach because you're following that lead of your client. A lot of, a lot of coaches <laughs> really think that they are supposed to provide the answers that they're supposed to give the um, direction on, on what best suits that client. And then they don't Re recognize that there's value. And like you just said, Anthony, with providing that space where the client has to fill in that fill in the details, fill in the, and then the next place is, so you're getting the topical bits, then that next place, what we call coaching that whole person is really digging deeper and into the person, not, you know, not the topic the trash doesn't get taken out. I am being facetious. I'm mad because the trash never gets taken. Well, there's the trash. That's like the topical 10% if we do that iceberg. And then how they're feeling, what they're thinking, what they want to process, how they want to go about it, who they are, how it reminds them of other things and how they want to adjust for that future who they are. That's going much more towards that whole person than coaching the problem coaching the person so that gives much more space as you anthony were speaking that's what i was hearing you're you're giving more space for that client to be coached their whole being versus just an issue yeah and that's something i, I know i did in the beginning too was coach the problem and then i've got a spare 30 minutes of a session just like <laughs> i don't know what to talk about now i've we've already talked about the problem that's it um and that's because you know, just talked so much. Now, if you're bringing it back now, um, you get to coach the person. Uh, Brooke, you were going to say something? Oh, um, again, brain just went. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, sharing within that space of, of um, I was thinking about it, like when we were, were kids, right? I think that when we're, when we're little kids, we kind of have a tremendous, we're kind of tiny, 
narcissistic sociopaths who believe they can do anything, right? <laughs> like we really are. And like, that's why we're falling and, you know, trying it's because we think we can. And then, but what happens is life go happen and we learn we can't, right? And I think that we fall, we hurt ourselves. So we go, shoot, I'm not going to do that again. We fall. But at some point we, I guess, are hurt ourselves enough or are told we can't enough or are we, and we tell ourselves we can't too enough that we start to believe that we can't do things. Like we believe, I think one of the best gifts my, my family uh, gave me growing up was they t always told me that I could do anything. Like that I, I had this, you know, they made me believe that I had this unique ability to accomplish anything I wanted in the world. And I believe that, and I still believe it now. I believe that anybody can if they put their mind to it and that, you know, it might not happen overnight and you got to have the tenacity and all of that but truthfully that we are all born with with inside us um the, the ability to accomplish things um and i think that that uh, one of the things i would say too is we become more rigid as we get older when we're little kids we fall we're rubbery we bounce we get a scrape we're, we're okay we, we break a bone we're, or we barely break bones but we can almost like bounce across concrete and we're going to get up and just sort of dust ourselves off and be okay but when you're 80 years old and you do that you break why because we're rigid and we're we've become fragile in our rigidity and, and so i do feel like it's metaphoric but that on in many ways staying flexible, staying adaptable, staying willing to try and also know that, you know, you might fall, but you can get back up and, and having that, that knowledge is very, very critical of that sort of young, youthful mind. I get made fun of for being a giant overgrown child, but I think it's good for me. <laughs> so. I want to also add, I think the reason why little kids are fine with being flexible and old people aren't is because old people understand consequences. There are severe consequences for action sometimes, but the trap that people get caught in is that, um, you know, you overstate the consequences or you've got a negativity bias where the consequences aren't really as bad as you're making it out to be. Um, you're sort of on the other end of the spectrum. Um, also, somebody asked in the chat, uh, what is an improv class and how is it helpful? Uh, I wanted to jump on that question. Go for it. I was in an improv group. <laughs> yeah. So improv, um, and I'll link it back to why it's good for coaching. Uh, improv stands for improvisational comedy. And so in theater, you know, comedic plays or other plays or musicals, you have a script. Okay. It's always going to go pretty much the same way for every single play, whatever you do. Well, improv, you don't have a script. You get a premise. Um... So I say, uh, Brooke, you are a doctor. Jerome, you are a patient coming in for a very funny uh, injury. Go. Uh, Jerome, uh, what's brought you in today? <laughs> um, I got this really nasty paper cut on my chin. On your chin? Oh my, I hate oh my seeing chin. those. Let me let me take a look. Come here. <laughs> oh, it, what so were you looking? <laughs> Before you guys start getting Wait, into that's it. your big toe. I want to see your chin. <laughs> so essentially, in the improv, you know, the actors, they just go with the flow. They're making stuff as stuff up as they go. They're yes-anding each other, which means they're not yes, and. saying no, no. You don't. Yeah, you don't have a cut on your chin, Jerome. You we got it on your, your forehead. That's not you a cut. Just, you broke your arm like that. Yeah, we you just... Um, <laughs> You just go with the flow. And so what improv teaches you how to do is to improvise and to react um, to situations that are given to you and just keep the story and the flow moving. How that relates to coaching is because coaching is all improvisational. Uh, we try to get you guys out of it in level one that like the idea that there's a script in coaching there might be a format that you have in that hour-long session. I think it's called the Go Learn format, where it's like five minutes is greeting. Uh, o stands for what does O stand for? Okay, wait, you're getting lost in the weeds right now. Lost in the weeds. I know, I know. but all I'm saying is <laughs> there's a structure to it, but there's no script. Nothing. There's no <laughs> script that's telling you what to say in a session for any client. Every client's going to be different. 
So what taking an improv class is good for, it teaches you on how to adapt to new situations and then keep the flow going, essentially. I think it also teaches you that that you can go without a script. And that's why I think yeah. a lot of coaches walking into this, they feel like I have to have the right answers. I have to have, I have to, well, or the right questions. I have to have the right questions. Big surprise, there's no such thing as right or wrong questions. Well, as long as you show up, are present, hold the space, and are willing to learn and ask questions and be curious, you've already done 99% of the work, right? Um, and where you're getting lost is in this overthinking of these minutia, minute details of what ifs that may not even happen and don't really matter because what matters is your client. And, and you know what your client is going to leave thinking about? what they need to do themselves, what they accomplish, what, what their responsibilities are. I would say that rarely are they thinking that, man, that, that was a horrible question. Uh, about five <laughs> in, that question was bunk. Like, <laughs> I don't know what that, I mean, that's not happening. <laughs> well, but see, that's where you, you know, adapt that behavior. You know, I recognize that that, that question's not, doesn't fit this space. So let's re redo this. Tell me again, here's what I've heard you say. Tell me what I'm missing. And then they'll come back with their, whatever their story is, whether I've gotten it right or wrong. You don't want to get it wrong too many times, but them helping to clarify that, that information they're trying to express is helpful to them. And that's really what counts. It doesn't have to be helpful to me. I have, I have oftentimes when people have seen me coach, they'll hear different questions. Where did you, how did you know to do that question? I've been practicing for a little while. There's that much coaching that's better than me. There's coaching that is not as good as me. There's I'm equal to many. And what, what is that difference is you got to get out there and practice. I took a book. I wrote down questions. Some of the team has heard this before. I took a book where I started asking myself these questions and I went, oh, shoot. I actually said a different word. These are really good questions. <gasps> these are great coaching questions. Let me start jotting these down. And that's what I did. And so I adapted from my first learning of the coaching model and then I just kept growing and changing and learning and adding. And I would hear things. I would hear a certain speaking pattern and a cadence. Oh, I really love how that sounds. I want to adapt that into my behavior. So I would practice it and grow with it and go on. And it's still a practice. It's still a practice to this day. And I get things wrong and I've had lots of practice. <laughs> Do you, know, do you know the only time that we're, we ha run the risk of being wrong in a coach coaching session is when we're giving advice? Yeah, that's <laughs> um, not, yeah, that's not what. You can't be wrong when asking a question. You really can't. Yeah. Open-ended. Unless it's leading. Unless it's leading, right? Yes, unless it's leading. But like a truly pure coaching, open-ended, that's, there's no wrong or right there. It is just, it's just, I want more information and I'm curious. And let's say you ask the, the, the leading that the, there are ways to recover and rebound. There are ways to do that. There are, it's not like you're forever bound. The, 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 it's not etched in stone. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask something? Yes. Can a leading question ever help? Is there anything good that comes from a leading question? Ever? An intentional leading question does not help. One that you have already thought and processed. Oh, if I ask this question, I know this. One that accidentally comes out, that that can work and, and tends to work. But then I would go, I would go back and retool it in that sense of, you know, I, I just asked this question. I know it was kind of leading. Tell me what works about it. Tell me what doesn't work about it, like that as I discuss the rock, look around the rock, look under the rock, look above the rock. Don't own the rock. <laughs> right. I'm gonna, As, I wanna, oh, I want to be a bit naughty and say that, <laughs> yes, a leading question could be helpful in the same way that a consultant 
could ask a leading question to provide the right answer I, or the right conclusion. But that's not your job, though. Mm-hmm. Like, just because you can do a helpful thing doesn't mean you should or that you know that it's helpful, really. What if, though, okay, so just playing, like, yeah. what if I was doing it and I, I was just like, okay, I'm going to devil's advocate here. And so, like, I'm deliberately yeah. playing. The, that's different. That's a tool. Yeah. Okay. So that's, I mean, like, but we're going to let the client know what it is we're doing. So we have a, the contrarian tool. I'm going to be the contrarian in this place and challenge you and see where you go. That's role playing. So, yeah. Also a good reason to take another improv class. Let's have a, let's, let's do an improv class, guys. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm kind of curious, Brooke, where you were going with that example and how that would sound like a leading question, the devil's advocate thing. Well, I don't know. So I would mean like if I'm with a client and let's say that they are in a space where they're waffling between two decisions. So then I would say it's, it's like I do with my flipping a coin, right? When I go, okay, you're, we're gonna we're waffling between two things. Pick I'm, heads is this side, heads is one, tails is two, and then I flip it in the air and I go, you have to stick to this no matter what. Boom, and it lands. Truthfully, they don't have to stick to that. But what we learn, we learn mm-hmm. a great deal in that them having to decide between the two and being held to the flame, right? So I would if, I could imagine it being a space where I'm like, no. You have to go with this, and then when they go, I don't, ooh, I don't like that, or oh my god, that feels really right. Yeah, because they have to make the choice, and they feel like they have to commit to it. Sometimes that reveals emotions yeah. to a much larger extent than when we're not held to the fire. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just using and adapting different word choices, like towards, and I've been coaching for a little bit. Uh, a couple of years, I would say. And then all of a sudden, this word started popping out of my mouth. Experience. I mean, not experiment. Experiment. If you were to experiment with that. And that word, for some reason, it, it didn't make them feel like they were nailed against the wall to have to do this. That experiment vocabulary seemed to open up the possibilities of where and when things worked and didn't work. Because they they realize that you're it's testing right it's not yeah. meant to succeed and fail it's meant to be we're meant to garner information from a series of tests uh and that doesn't in, imply failure it's like study it's uh yeah. see it's what works or, what doesn't right yeah, you know throw things against the wall and see what sticks <laughs> um, can i ask what would you guys say to coaches new coaches specifically who are overly concerned about leading to the point where it's affecting their ability to coach and their confidence. Hold the oh, silence. Yeah, the, the only thing you can do is practice it and recognize when you have done it. So what is some, you know, if it's preventing them from practicing, that's going to be it's like a difficult because you're not going to learn different adaptive language that will allow you to recognize how to function when you're in an actual session, you know? So, you know, like we have practice with our students, we encourage them, we set up a channel and everything else on our Slack, encourage them to start practicing together so that they are overcoming those. Again, ego gets in the way all the time, right? We have that ego, it does serve a purpose. We have a whole um, uh, live that we talked about ego when you just start getting in there and just i'm going to use this word not caring it's not that you're not caring it's that you're not impacted that you're just going to go into the flow of the experience you learn to adapt a lot of different things so it's it's getting that adaptability really in any situation not just coaching Right. I think, I think like Lisa, your point is amazing in that you got to get in there and do it because mm-hmm. it's really critical that you practice because the self-awareness it's, it's about first coming to that awareness. Oh shoot. I have an inclination to lead. I have to now t- acknowledge, Oh wait, I can identify when this happens. That just happened. Okay. I can. And it's almost like I, I, akin to having a swear jar, right? Um, shoot. I got to put a quarter in the swear jar. 
um, because I just sweared and, but I'm not going to do it again <laughs> next time. Right. But it's like a slap on the hand. You give yourself this self, you raise that self-awareness yeah. and you find that when you become more aware, you maybe pause or you, the first word comes out and you stop yourself and then you flex into a new space, but you're able to start to make those adjustments. Um, and you don't hate yourself when it's not one of the, I, there are no fires. I used to get so stressed out and want to, I would be late for trivia, which is, I'm ho it's called trivia in itself. It's not a big deal, but I'm hosting it. So I would get so stressed and I'd be like, oh my God. Ah. And then I'd be like, wait, Brooke, nobody's life is on the line. There are no fires. This is trivia. What are you doing? Stop stressing out over the, the you're all you're doing by stressing is making yourself older, fatter, and more upset. <laughs> so stop it. <laughs> um, and I would just, I would have to like recalibrate that thought process like, and just go, Hey, self-check, self-awareness, recalibrating. Same thing in a session. It's not, you're not going to end anybody's life. Nobody's life is on the line. There's no fire. You're not performing brain surgery or rocket science or mind you, it's a beautiful, it's an amazing skill set, but literally that can change lives. But the truth is you're not going to destroy anything in a session. If you're following the right <laughs> coaching, if you're in a coaching model, I'll say. Yeah, if you take yeah. a class at Certified Life Coach Institute, you will not be you'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> so the, as you were talking, I was thinking of these things that I've interacted with other people who think that their advice is the only thing people come to them for. And so that, that one, you're not going to trust the process because you don't trust yourself without your advice. And who are you without your advice? Well, it's all about my advice. No, no, it's not. The people are not coming to you for the advice you provide them. They're coming for the connection they get, the warmth, the caring concern that you provide them. That advice, I'm going to ask we don't have the, the number here and that you could respond to, but I'm really going to ask you guys to think about it. Most of How many times did that person follow your advice? Mm -hmm. Rarely. And if they did, success or failure was attributed to you. The You're not coaching in that moment, but you're presuming you're coaching. And I don't want that success or failure. It's not mine to own. It's, it's my clients. And so part of that also is being comfortable with that silence. We are not taught to be comfortable with silence. I love it. We did it. Okay. And I'm filling it because we're live. <laughs> I was going to hold that silence. It was like someone's going to break ready it. For it. That was good. <laughs> but the the... Oh, but wait, before you go, hold that thought. Don't forget it. Hold that thought. Did you see my face? Because I was the bigger picture. I was done. So you will recognize when your client's ready to go. Okay, go, Brooke. Um, with also, though, too, what's one of the things, my favorite thing Dan says in level two is that, and it breaks people on some level, is he goes, I just want to tell you, the people who are going to you for advice, they know what advice that you're going to give them. That's why they're going to you. They're going to you because they know you're going to co-sign their BS or you're going to actually kick them in the butt. And so if they're ready for a change, they're going to go to the person that's kicking them in the butt. But if they're not ready for a change, they're going to go to the person that's going to co-sign their BS and just say, everything's fine. And, and then they don't have to take responsibility for what their actions are. I no longer am responsible. And it's just, it, 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 it sometimes breaks hearts of people in class when he says that, but I agree with him so much. The other point of that too is, who are you if you don't have your advice, right? If that is the single thing, then what an opportunity for you to develop and grow as a human being and learn that you have other insanely life-changing, valuable skills. Your advice, if, if that's why people come to you, you've already got that figured out. That is in your belt. You've got it. You're good. You know how to do that. So come to a life coaching class and we will teach you a host of other skills that you don't have yet that aren't your advice because you're already bringing that to class. We don't have to teach you that. We'll teach you everything else. So anyways, 
<laughs> Boom, that's a good way to end live, I think. Oh, I want final thoughts from Jerome. Oh. <laughs> yes, final thoughts. Right. I, uh, I wish we could have had a little bit more time because I know we spoke a lot about internal confidence, but Anthony touched on external confidence. Um, I just want to say one thing that you should be doing if you are looking to build your confidence is making sure that you're staying away from people who are negative, not necessarily going out fishing for compliments or anything like that. I'm not saying surround yourself with people who are going to be a bunch of yes men, but definitely stay away from those that are going to knock you down when you're looking to you know, increase that confidence, build that confidence. That's one way to really, even if you're doing everything right within yourself, I think it's really easy for external factors like that to just take it all away from you really quickly for whatever reason you don't have to get into it but just be like, aware that there are there are people out there like that and to do you your know best. your coach will never do your coach will never tell you you can't so yeah. back sorry jerome go ahead nope, that was it you took, you took it right <laughs> time. i don't know if even your coach will tell you you can either i think no, that might be they, won't. they won't tell you either but yeah, i know they're not gonna the coach will never tell you like, what you can and can't do just go how they will hold that space for you, though, which is so important. Unless it's something illegal, then we'll say you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Except for me as a coach. Then maybe I'll coach you on the criminal. <laughs> and Anthony's going to be in jail the next few years. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I think that's it. That wraps it up. Um, yeah. I don't want to sign off. I started this madness. Who's next? <laughs> We will see you guys, not next Wednesday, so we'll be back to our regularly scheduled program at Tuesday next week, so we're excited to have you guys, and uh, it'll be at 4 Pacific Standard. Uh, again, join in on the conversation. Make sure you follow us, not just here, but on all of our social platforms, um, especially TikTok, because we're getting that going right now, so go yeah, ahead and follow, follow us on TikTok. <laughs> and uh, excited to have you guys join us next week. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Once again, this is brought to you by Certified Life Coach Institute. We're an ICF accredited school who certifies our life coaches in three-day online intensive courses. In addition to other podcast episodes, feel free to check us out every Tuesday at 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube or Facebook for our CLCI Lives, where we get together and discuss various topics that are centered around sharpening your skills so you can become a better certified life coach. For more information, feel free to visit us at certifiedlifecoachinstitute.com. Until next time, be well.